Hello! Hey guys, it's Arden Cho. Hey, I'm Holland Roden. Hello, this is Ian Bowen. Hey you guys, this is Melissa Poncio. Hi, I'm Lyndon Ashby. Hi, I'm Dylan Spurberry. This is Megan Tandy. This is Tyler Posey, and you are listening to Not Another. Not Another. Not Another. This is Not Another Team Wolf Podcast. Yes, it is! Oh. Hey, this is Jeff Davis. You're listening to Not Another Teen Wolf Podcast, my favorite podcast in the world. No one, no one can stop me now. I said no one, no one, no way, no how. I said no one, no one can stop me now. I'll take it to the limit, let me show you how. Hi everyone, welcome back to Not Another Teen Wolf podcast, a podcast that exists on the internet to talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. Uh, We are up to episode 104 of our podcast uh, in the the grand scheme of things, covering season 5 of Teen Wolf episode 7, Strange Frequencies, uh, this week's uh, episode. So hopefully that that was an episode that everyone liked. We got a few answers, a few more questions, all of that good stuff. So we'll go straight into chatting about that. I am one of your co-hosts, Natalie, and we are joined by the other major Not Another Teen Wolf podcast co-host, Karen. Hello, Karen. Hi. For anyone tuning in for the first time. I'm curious, if you're ever listening to this and you are tuning in for the first time, hit us up on one of our social media outlets, which I'm about to announce to you. Because I'm really curious about, like, I assumed the only people listening to the podcast were people who sort of have been around since we started and that they don't just pick up in the middle of the 104 episodes. But we have got plenty of notification uh, that says the opposite. We've got plenty of notification that says, you know, I started Teen Wolf during season three and I've listened to the podcast since season four or whatever. So if someone has recommended you or you've stumbled across us and it's your first time ever listening, put up your hand and say yo. You can do that on our Twitter, which is NATW Podcast. You can email us at natwpodcast at gmail.com. And we actually had quite a bit of email feedback this week, which was cool. Uh, you can join us on our Tumblr, which is notanotherteenwolfpodcast.tumblr.com, or you can follow us on Instagram, which is natwpodcast on Instagram as well. And this week I posted a couple of pictures on Instagram from our most recent visit to the Teen Wolf set because this episode, Strange Frequencies, was actually in the middle of production when we were there. So... Jumping straight into our favourite quotes from this week's episode, which we like to do. Uh, Karen, why don't you go first with that? Because I've been talking for quite a long spiel. (laughs) Okay. Um, Mine is between Hayden and Liam, and I just thought it was really cute. And it's when Hayden goes, what am I? And Liam sort of just looks at her and goes, you're Hayden. And I was just, I melted. It was so adorable. It was very sweet, but I was really thinking that you were going to pick the Sheriff and Melissa moment, which I just loved, so I've nabbed it, uh, in which, um, you know, Melissa is kind of giving the Sheriff a hard time about, you know, oh, you're not going to get me to do that without a court order, are you, blah, blah, just basically saying that, you know, they might take away this this key card of mine that allows me access to medical record, and then he's kind of just going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, and then she just says... Do you want to see how the key card works? And it was just 
It was just such a funny, great scene. They were really good together throughout the whole episode. I mean, they're always quite good together, but I really enjoyed their whole their whole thing this episode. But that back and forth was great. But that line sounds so naughty. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, do you want to see how my hotel key card works? You know, come, come on up. Um, uh, but because I thought Karen was going to pick that, I had picked out another one, which was obviously. Styles in the car with Theo saying one word, good. And Karen's very disappointed that I picked this as my favourite line, uh, or very uh, appalled and unimpressed and disheartened and all of those things. Uh, so we'll get into that more later and, and the significance of that, I suppose. But that was going to be my favourite line uh, because you all know how how much Styles murdering people means to me. So. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Karen. I'm sorry if that makes you feel sad. <laughs> it does a little bit, actually. All right. Would you like to uh, lead us into the discussion of this week's episode, and then we'll we'll go through and get to the bit where Styles feels good about murdering people? Yes. Let's. <laughs> oh, I'm so- <laughs> uh, sorry. Sorry. We'll have a reasonable discussion about that later. Uh, carry on. Okay, so we start off the episode actually right where we left off in the previous episode, and Theo is convincing Stas they need to take the Chimera body with them, that if they just leave it, then they're going to have a whole lot of explaining to do. And you can see Theo not necessarily manipulating Styles, but talking to his logical side, mm. where he's like, look, you know... We have basically two options, and one of them isn't that great, but we could take this body with us and not have to answer to anybody, pretty much. And other than Scott, which, you know, we'll get to in a bit how they kind of confront that. But um, I thought it was interesting that Theo totally left it up to Styles. He said, it's your choice, because that's just him manipulating the situation as he has been doing for several episodes. And so he's just, he's really good at what he does. Yeah. Because the, the thing that struck me about this was, you know, it really seemed like that, you know, Theo was telling styles that, you know, we know it's not the whole truth, but he was telling styles the whole truth about the situation, about how he saw Donovan and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, he told him everything. Like he didn't make anything up. He told him everything about, what he knew about Styles killing Donovan and how, you know, he clearly, he kind of acted like he was on side with Styles about it, obviously. And like moving a body together, you know, is a pretty, that's like a bonding for life thing. That's like a big, like, we have to really trust each other thing. Basically, like, we killed this dude and now we have to hide his body. That's kind of one of those, I think there's like jokes about that, you know, like, you know, a good friend will help you move house. Your best friend will help you move a body kind of thing. Like, so it, it is like, uh, what, have you not heard that before? No, I have. Yeah. It's just fun every like, time. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of that kind of circumstance. Obviously, Styles and Theo are not best friends, but it's certainly a level of, oh, we're in this together, this really bad circumstance. So there's got to be trust now, if you know what I mean. It is a very good way to attempt to get Styles to trust him, even though he doesn't yet obviously and I, I kind of yeah. like the bit where he was like I'm not going to force you to lie to your dad and Styles is like oh it's not like I haven't done it 5,000 million times before 
And um, yeah, yeah, it definitely that part made me sad. Yeah, it definitely kind of made Styles like he he kind of pushed Styles into the situation of Styles feeling like the bad guy or Styles being the one that had consequences. So yeah. I don't know what he would have done if Stars had been like, yes, let's stay here and wait for the cops because you killed this guy. Um, Theo might have just, like, knocked him out. Like, he might not have, you know, actually... You know, he might have killed Stars then, but we don't know. So, jumping in from that, um, again, it's sort of following on from the same night, and where we left Liam was with Hayden in the club, you know, shoving a glow stick in her face, and... They, they had that moment at the end of the episode where he kind of realised her eyes were reflective. Clearly, in that, you know, five-minute interval, he tried to explain to her, probably badly because he's really hopeless, you know, that he you know he's a werewolf and that you've got supernatural stuff and your eye and the Dread Doctors are going to come for you and he probably just blustered it just as badly as I just did. And she's just like, what the hell? Leave me alone, you freak. Uh, and then he puts on his werewolf face to prove it, and she punches him in the nose, which I oh my god loved. Um, it, was, it was perfect. Yeah, it was just so perfectly cyclical of like their beef, and it was just, it was just great. And um, yeah, so I, I love how he falls down, and he's just like, ouch. <laughs> it was so, so good. He's so silly. Uh, but yeah, I'm assuming that his explanation of the situation was not the most tactful or didn't follow like a nice clean flow. It probably made no sense to start with. So yeah. And then she drives off basically. She leaves him in the dirt and drives off and her car starts doing something weird. Um, the, the radio frequency, but then the car dies and the Dread Doctors come for her, basically. Um, they, they start, you know, approaching the car, and then Liam ends up saving her by, you know, finding her in the the road and breaking open the window and pulling her out. But the car has died. She's stuck in the middle of the road, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and this scene was interesting to us, uh, basically because we actually saw part of this scene getting done. Kind of. So, did you want to talk about that experience a little bit, Karen? Like, shall we shall we tell them, you know, a little bit of the behind-the-scenes movie magic of, of what we got to see there? Yeah. Um, actually, we, we weren't on set for this episode. We were on set for pickups, which, if nobody's aware, pickups are kind of like when they don't like something. So sometimes actors or stand-ins have to come in and redo small scenes. And um, it's just to kind of get like everything perfect, perfect. Exactly. Shot. Like if, if yeah. something like that. And clearly when they were taping this scene of Hayden trying to get out of the car, either there was something wrong with like the sound or there was something wrong with the image of what they got. Because what they were, what we saw was a small uh, bit of pickup filming for her trying to get out of the car, just rattling the door and, and, and playing with the locks and stuff. And what they would have been filming was just close up on the hands, like close up on the outside of the door, like the handle working and the hands, because it was not uh, Victoria Morales, the actress. It was someone in the same costume, like but a, but a stand-in, which they do um, sometimes for... Uh, you know, shots where they, you know, where they need the actor for something else or they can't be bothered getting the actor in that day or they just put, you know, anyone available. And some people have professional stand-ins who do, you know, all of their work, like if they need to set up um, 
a scene and they need to test the lighting on that person's skin or something like that, but the actor is too busy doing another scene, they'll use a stand-in to set up a scene and then bring in the actor. Anyway, I don't know if this is a was a full-on, you know, professional stand-in or if it was just someone available who was similar, but, yeah, they were doing close-ups on her trying to open the door and uh, all that kind of thing. What I liked about this, too, was the fact that they actually did that inside. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, a lot of the sets are inside, and they just light them to make it look like, you know, the sun or the moon is coming mm. through. But I always find it incredible how perfect it looks. I mean, I'm looking at, especially in this episode later on when we're um, inside Scott's house when Kira and Scott are kissing, I'm like... I've been in that set. I know that set is inside there. You know, it's got four walls and it's inside another building, but it looks like the sun is coming through right now. And it's so hard to separate that. I think that's so amazing how they can make it look so real. Yeah. I know one of the, one of the sets that was like that as well was the, uh, I think the Nemeton and the well were both like, uh, indoors. They didn't, they didn't like go out into a field. They they were indoors and then they just dumped a whole bunch of like leaf litter, you know, for six meters in a circle around it. And, and like, you know, I guess they can put in like trees and stuff graphically later. And, and it just, yeah, the, the stuff that they do indoors is pretty impressive. Um, it, yeah, she's right. So that was that was fun though like that was you know live takes where you know they they you know they cut and then we'd stop you know we you know got to you know they yell cut and then everyone has to be quiet when they're filming and all of that kind of stuff and it was it was interesting it was good uh but yeah that was this moment and i guess it was like the hand doing the lock or something like that but not uh you know the the facial stuff and then liam comes and we, you know, breaks open the car and pulls her out to, to safety, which is very heroic of him and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, we switch back over to the vet's office and Scott identifies the chimera as Josh. He's a junior. And uh, the big thing here is that he kind of says, which one did it? The one with the cane. And Styles looks at Theo and Theo's like, yeah, that one. And it's the lie is so like so easily rolls off his tongue. And it just it kills me that Scott that Styles doesn't say anything about it. But at the same time, like he's kind of between a rock and a hard place. But I just know like that tension that's building up between everybody, especially, you know, the fracturing that's going on between Styles and Scott is like. Uh, it breaks my heart because they've they've been so solid for so long. But yeah, um, was it actually Theo that said like yes in response to Scott? Because I thought it was Styles that said yes in response to Scott. It was Theo uh-huh. because Styles didn't say anything. He was just like I can't commit to participating in this. Yeah. <laughs> this level. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it is interesting, like you know that they've got these like you know, these guys who are, like, going around murdering people on Scott's behalf, etc. Um, and, I mean, as I said, I've expected that for a long time. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's so much about this situation that obviously gets into in-depth on screen later about, like, what Scott would think. So can probably save that for then. But, you know, obviously it wouldn't even occur to Scott. Like, did, did they tell Scott? Did they just say they found him? Did they say they attacked know that he attacked them josh like would scott even consider 
that one of them could have, like, killed him in self-defense or an accident because he's been around when that kind of stuff has happened. Like, he's been around when you when people have been killed. Yeah, like, you know, so it doesn't even occur to him that, you know, that it could have been that situation, I suppose. But they may have gone in saying, hey, we found this guy, like, the end. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, and then obviously they get the phone call uh, from Liam saying, hey, I've got Hayden, she's another chimera, what are we going to do about that? They go to her house um, and she's locked herself in the bathroom and doesn't want to deal with any of it. And they all have a nice little conversation with her through the door. Like, Styles has a quite a good approach of, hey, you know, like, I know you, our, you know, parents work together, or, you know, her sister or whatever, work together. And then Scott's, like, doing his whole dad thing and, and, and being very kindly and she ends up opening the door with fangs and and eyes and stuff and being like, okay, I believe you, and basically dealing with the situation. Um, So, yeah, how did you like that kind of uh, moment of them all trying to get through to Hayden? It was nice. I was expecting Styles to be a bit more sarcastic, and yeah. when he wasn't, it was it was actually really quite a nice change. And I like throughout this entire episode actually how concerned Liam is for her and everything. I thought that Scott's approach with like, look, you know, if you don't come out, I have to break this door down. I just want to make sure that you're okay. Mm. It wasn't like a look, open this door right now or I will kick it down. You know, yeah. he was, he was approaching, approaching it very calmly. And then I liked how the slow reveal of the door opening and her there with the glowing eyes and everything. So yeah, it was nice. Yeah. I liked it as well. I liked the way they talked to her. The Scott and Styles were very, uh, I don't know, parental is not probably a better word. And I really like, I like them with the, with the younger kids quite a lot. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of parents, um, Kira's parents, (laughs) I don't know why they thought this was a good idea, but, um, basically Kira's father drags her to school on a Saturday to set up some things probably for the next week in his classroom. And as he goes out to the car to get another box, uh, she's Kira's sort of like taking things out of one of the boxes and her mom attacks her, uh, with a katana and, Presumably it's planned between the two parents. Like, I'll yeah, I would assume so. You'll come and have, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I got the impression that it was like to test that she was prepared because, you know, um, her mom asks about the belt and to test her reflexes and her fighting skills to just kind of keep her on the on her toes. Mm-hmm. And first of all, before we get into like, you know, the the details of the scene and the significance of it, I Love. This is my favorite scene of this episode and probably one of my favorite scenes in quite a long time because it was so good. I love the fact that, first of all, it was two women fighting with swords. I think that's amazing. <laughs> and, like, Kira's in a mini skirt and she just looks so cute. And then at the same time, she's, like, nearly kicking her mom's butt, especially when the Kitsune spirit kind of comes out. But there's a lot of flips and a lot of, like jumps and everything and it just looks absolutely amazing and I love fight choreography and I thought this one was actually very good and I even liked the way that they shot from outside the windows at one point where you could just see them like going at each other and I was just like man if anybody just walked by what would they think (laughs) 
Um, it was a cool scene, um, and it was, I mean, at this point, I'm curious about whether they realise anything is wrong, or if, you know, her mum was just keeping her on her toes, um, and it's only when they have the fight that she realised that, you know, maybe she can see the kitsune and the fox spirit is all whack. Um, so, I don't know, like, um, if it was just a matter of them already knowing something was wrong, or if it was actually something revealed during the fight... I think it was revealed during the fight just because we haven't seen – the only person we've seen notice something is off so far is Scott. There's been no other previous scenes between her parents and her kind of being like, you know, are you okay or anything like that. So I think, especially because she asks about – the belt and wants to know like you know why aren't you prepared that it was sort of just this test and Kira says you know this is not good mother daughter bonding time so I definitely think this is almost like a routine type of thing that they decided to just spring on her a la the Argents the Argents were kind of famous for that true true yes that's very true actually um Good point. Um, and that's actually interesting. I, I saw a little bit of feedback, which I don't know if I include this week or not, but it was definitely talking about like the parallels between Kira and Allison. The the belt thing, though, her not having the sword belt, is this like something that the, the bad Kitsune is doing to her? Like that, you know, she can't have a thing to defend herself or? I really wonder. I mean, it doesn't make sense <laughs> for her not to have something to defend herself with because the Kitsune spirit wants to survive. It wants to take over and it doesn't make sense that it wouldn't be prepared. Maybe it's on a subconscious level. She keeps forgetting it or something like that. I don't know. Especially when we see what happens at the end of the episode, like clearly she has misplaced her sword. And yet at the end of the episode, we see it sticking out of, you know, this lady's body in the middle of the McCall house. So what is causing her to keep misplacing it? And is it maybe she's like blacking out or something like when the spirit takes over and it's taking the sword and doing bad things with it and then leaving it there? Who knows? But I definitely feel like it's significant on some level. Yeah, like, can the spirit do things without Kira's body? Or is it, like, Kira's conscience, like, her normal self or her kitsune, her normal kitsune, um, purposely losing the sword so that the bad kitsune can't use it, if you know what I mean? So that she, like, the, 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 the good part of herself is actually protecting the world from herself because of what the bad kitsune wants to do with the sword. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean... I- that does make sense to me. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's it's very, very dramatic. And then the mother obviously realises that something is wrong uh, with, with the kitsune and sort of starts speaking directly to the, the kitsune and, and realising that it's all evil and bad, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then her father slams down one of her tails, her only tail, I think. And, um, that kind of snaps Kira out of it, which, you know, then she gets angry and she's like, I could have killed you. And her mom's like, not you, it's the Fox spirit. And so I think that this is definitely like, okay, everyone is aware something bad is going on here. So hopefully they'll end up fixing it. 
And I'm, I'm still surprised that Kira hasn't been like, hey, Scott, did you not notice this, if you know what I mean? But maybe we haven't had time for that yet. Maybe that will be next week, so. Okay. <laughs> um, the group, like, because I was surprised that didn't come up in the next scene when Kira decides not to help the kids at the high school, that Scott's kind of like, oh, you know, yeah, you'll come with us and you'll you'll be there, bring your sword and stuff, and... Um, and they basically come to this sort of decision, or Kira comes to this, this decision that she's not going to join the group because, like, to Tuluric Currents, that they've discovered the high school is the, the biggest um, source of the Tuluric Currents in Beacon Hills, like, where two different ley lines cross over each other. And she thinks that it's going to be, uh, you know, that she's going to make things worse and that she decides not to get involved, basically, and, and it's all very kind of... There's a little bit of, like, wistfulness there. There's a little bit of, like, both of them kind of know it's for the best, maybe. Like, Scott was kind of throwing mm-hmm. her a bone in inviting her to come anyway. Like, then he's clearly slightly relieved that she doesn't. But, you know, they, they both want to cling on to the good because they kiss and they have a few little, like, memories of their happy other times. and Which was cute, yeah. but it was no, stressful. No. You didn't like because... it? Because... I mean, I loved it, but like Danielle said when she was like live tweeting the episode for us, it felt like a goodbye. It, it didn't it feel was like very a memory. Final, yeah, it, it yeah, it was quite final actually. I'm not gonna lie that that was a vibe that was there. So did that upset you? Yes, it did. <laughs> Although I really liked seeing the part again where Kira kisses him and he has to like shake out his red eyes because she did affect him. And it was like, Oh, I remember those times. It was nice. Happy times. Yeah. When Kira wasn't evil. It did feel (laughs) like a bit of a best of moment, you know? Um, Yeah. I don't know why they felt the need to do that, but we'll see, I suppose. So instead of going with them to the school, she goes off with her mother and does other things, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, the whole decision to keep Hayden at the school overnight, like, do, did you quite follow this? Like, I don't understand why they needed to... Is it because the Tuluric Currents would confuse the the Dread Doctors? Or, or why did they think that this was exactly the best plan? Because this is the, this is the part of the episode that I didn't quite understand why the Tuluric Currents made the school safe. Like, I thought that was what they didn't. I thought that they they were feeding off the Tuluric Currents, so I'm a little bit confused. No, it is because um, they do keep them out because that's why they couldn't get into Iken House. Okay. And why, with Kira there, you know, they were able to manipulate her and the Currents somehow. I mean, I don't know exactly how it works, but they were able to get in because of Kira. And... I guess maybe the currents at the school weren't quite as strong. Mm. Who knows why they were able to get in. But, uh, yeah, it was because the currents were supposed to keep them out. Okay, well, I guess that, you know, I mean, Scott says later they can't do that every night. Like, they like were they just going to keep people there every night? And also I don't really understand why um, trying to catch one of them would uh, be helpful. Like, what are they going to do, like, torture it for information? Like, I don't really see Scott doing that, but um, we'll we'll get to that moment uh, in a bit when they're actually I, in school. 
I mean, it's clear that Scott did not think this all the way through, and he was sort of grasping at straws at this point, so he probably didn't even have a plan for when, if they actually captured one. Yeah, I don't understand why they thought that that would help. Like, would they think they could torture information out of it, or just ask it nicely or something, but... Yeah, I don't know. Well, speaking of the doctors, back at the vet's office, Theo is there with Josh's body, and one of the doctors shows up, and Theo confronts him. He's supposed to be kept in the loop at all times. Now, this was really interesting to me. Who's the power? Like, who's the boss? Exactly, exactly. I think, I really wonder if somebody's controlling the doctors and somebody is maybe not controlling Theo, but like is above Theo and they're sort of like working together as equal partners, which totally like, Theo like is someone's man on the ground and that they're meant to go yeah. through Theo to, to do it. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's not Valak. <laughs> I mean, up. it's just, it blows my mind because I really thought that Theo was, potentially like going to the dread doctors for something and that he was sort of like their man on the ground. So to think that like he's meant to be kept in the loop, I mean, maybe that was part of their bargain to begin with. Maybe they are, nobody is controlling them and they just said, you know, I'll do this. If you keep me in the loop, like we have to be in on this together, but I'll get you these people. I'll get, you know, I'll, find you mm-hmm. access to these people or whatever yeah but if somebody is controlling the doctors i think that's just a whole new ball game uh yeah i don't know i felt that as well like i'm like who is the boss who's in charge here like who answers to who and um they aren't curious at all like they say it's inconsequential who's taking the bodies like they don't care what's happened to you know the little failed science experiments or whatever theo says and then theo says that it matters to him like why does it matter to him uh yeah i don't know like is theo actually trying to get in with scott for any like any reasonable purposes like does he like I don't understand. I mean, we, we don't understand anything ever, but basically, um, I don't know. Just, like, I, I assume that if he's doing a job for Scott like this, like watching the body and trying to find out who's taking the bodies, that it's literally just lip service. It's like, yes, Scott, I'll do whatever you want. I don't care, you know, like, and that he doesn't, like, care or that he knew already who was taking the bodies, but he doesn't seem – he actually seems invested in this and, and seems to think that the, the Dread Doctors should be as well. So I'm curious as to why he cares about this aspect at all and, and maybe how that ties into the, the whole aim. Maybe he's just aware that if somebody is taking the bodies, there's the potential, you know, because we know that Parrish is taking the bodies and we think that somehow he's going to be able to bring them back to life. Yeah. Um, so maybe he, that's something that he's worried about or thinks they should be worried about. True. I don't know. It's very weird. Yeah. Maybe it's like, you know, oh, we'll get caught if someone's taking the bodies and it's not you guys. Like, if it's not the Dread Doctors taking the bodies, because that's the thing. Like, later on, when Scott and Lydia are in the school as well, you know, Lydia says, hang on, if we're here waiting for those guys, then who's, you know, Stars and Theo waiting for? So they probably assume that the Dread Doctors were taking the bodies back. But Theo seems to know that it's obviously not the Dread Doctors taking the bodies back. And I guess 
they might be concerned that they would get caught if someone else is taking the bodies, like if they could find out and all of that kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. Going back to Kira, she gets acupuncture from her mother in order to help, like, balance her body and her spirit, like, that it might help realign, like, the, the kitsune spirit going off. And Kira just looks very miserable and upset and all of that kind of thing. And the thing I was most curious about this it's like, it was whether the acupuncture was real or not. Like, if they did close-ups of, like, a hand of someone else, you know, a professional acupuncturist, actually putting needles into... Uh, Kira um, into Arden Cho because it how do you fake acupuncture like when we spoke to Jeff <laughs> he talked about like you know doing a fake arm you know with the injection but acupuncture it only sits right inside the, like the layer of the skin and like how do you fake that like on someone's bare back that's lying just there like I was really curious about that weirdly on a technical level so I'm curious if, Me too. if Arden really got stabbed with acupuncture you know for, for acting purposes or not um, but anyway, never mind. Um, how did you feel about that kind of treatment and uh, Kira's response, I suppose? I thought it was cool that they were trying something like that, that it wasn't just like, we need to, like, I don't know, get the spirit out of you. Or, like, it was a very kind of appropriate response of, like, okay, your body and your spirit are kind of misaligned and the Kitsune spirit is getting a little out of hand. Let's try this very like meditative sort of uh, ancient thing that is supposed to help this. And Kira is just like, yeah, she's just looking sort of miserable. And I think you can tell that she, she doesn't really know what's going on and she's afraid and she's probably thinking of, Scott and everybody else and you know what is she doing to her friends and is she gonna hurt anybody else and I don't know I did feel really bad for her in the scene Mm. yeah and then you know something happens later on that we have no idea what the hell it means but we'll see yeah until then uh we get the awesome scene between Sheriff and Melissa and this is when he's – I thought this was kind of cool, too, because you actually see him acting as a detective. And it reminded me so much of what we've seen from Styles because he's looking at this book and he's like, you know, it occurred to me that these aren't dread scientists. They're dread doctors. So let's go to the medical records. And um, I just thought it was a very, like, organic, natural jump to make like a conclusion to make and Mm -hmm. it wasn't like out of the blue he got this epiphany it was like very simple logic and he's like oh let's try this and then you know we get the cute back and forth between him and melissa but you know in the end it works out and he definitely had the right idea yeah i like that they were sort of in the background actually solving the mystery of the connections uh sort of taking over while the kids were doing whatever they were doing that was not that effective. Um, There haven't been too many moments where they actually, like, you know, work on the problems together with with just them uh, in terms of the the whole supernatural issue. And I I really liked them figuring that all out. And they're like, hey, we don't need any alpha werewolves to help us. We've got this. We've worked out this whole situation on our own. And I I really liked liked them doing this. Which is making me even more stressed about what might cause the slap later on. 
Yeah, I was thinking about that throughout this entire episode anytime I saw them together. And I was like, but they're so happy. Like, oh. Why would they, yeah. why would she slap him? They're so happy. Yeah, we'll see. Well, we got one of those moments in, you know, from those flash forwards uh, in yep. the episode this week with Styles. We should have a tally board of when each one of them happens or something. <laughs> Um, which, I, way, just to interject quickly, I think I figured yeah. out which one will not happen in 5A. What one? Kira? No, I think it's going to be uh, Aaliyah, because today yeah. they cast the Desert Wolf. So mm-hmm. I think that since we're not going to be seeing her until 5B, that potentially it's going to be, that's going to be the scene we won't see until 5B. Interesting. Interesting. So, at the vet, um, you know, Styles and Theo decide not to just stand around the body and wait for someone to come. They set up a camera instead to catch the, the body thief in the act. And so he and Theo sit in the car and have a great time together, um, having a long conversation about killing people, basically. So there is a a conversation that comes straight off the bat of what we talked about last week, um, which they must have known people would have huge questions about um, because they clearly had decided to include some dialogue, uh, you know, exploring that about, you know, killing and the eye colour and uh, and what that means, like taking an innocent life, um, you know, the, the colour of a werewolf's eyes and whether killing someone is that bad if it's self-defence. So Theo kind of pitches this argument that, you know, my eyes aren't blue, like it wasn't an innocent life, it's self-defense. And Styles says, you know, how do the eyes interpret, like, one body from another? And then he says, what if it's just because you're a terrible person and you don't feel guilty and the eye color thing comes from having the remorse of killing someone? which opens up a whole bunch of questions. We've got so much feedback about this because everyone is like, ah, and so there's lots of questions that have been pitched to us by listeners, which we will answer later on because there is a ton of of questions to be asked about, you know, what we think or other characters who've had this experience. But just very quickly, I suppose, uh, which one, like, do you think is more likely at this point? I mean, the interpretation thing does sort of make sense to me because clearly Derek felt very guilty. I think Jackson felt very guilty. It's hard for me to believe that Peter feels guilty about anything. Yeah, who was, that's the thing. I'm like, who, who did Peter kill that he has remorse for? Yeah. Like, you know, but, like, you know, it could be a thing. I mean, it could have been maybe a while ago or maybe or there was maybe. Just, Yeah, there could be that one person that he actually regrets. But I also just keep coming back to this idea that we talked about last week where because we also think that Theo is a chimera and that the rules are changing around these chimeras that maybe his eyes just don't change for whatever reason. Yeah, there's that's definitely, you know, something. It could be that he's trying to make this argument to Styles to get him on set. Like, he knows perfectly well that his eyes should be blue, but that they're not because he was a made werewolf. And, that you know, it, I think someone, again, it's, it's all in the feedback, but someone mentioned, like, you know, the mountain ash not affecting someone. And so, you know, that the rules don't apply to this, you know, that to his supernatural elements because he's – not a natural werewolf, maybe, and that, um, 
all that kind of thing. Uh, I mean, but there's also, we, we learn, if it is the thing that Styles mentions about actual remorse, we do see um, later on, you know, we, we, do, we do also actually see the situation about his sister, which shows that he might just be a sociopath. Like, so he might just oh, yeah. feel no remorse ever. Because, like, like, not that it's not like, oh, he went away and got changed. You know, oh, there's not like a something that's corrupted him that like from childhood that he's been some sort of sociopath. So we'll get into that in just one moment. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of options with the eye situation, but the three most likely are, you know, Theo's interpretation that he claims, which is, you know, um, you know, that, you know, killing in self-defense, like it's not, not a guilty kind of thing that's, that it's Styles's interpretation that it could be based on, you know, remorse and, and emotion, um, you know, the, a person's actual uh, process of the, the situation, uh, a person's processing of the situation, or that it could be that Theo, it, that it's a straight up, you've killed someone, so your eyes are blue, Theo knows his eyes should be blue, uh, but he, they're not because it's a way to keep him looking innocent in Scott's eyes, and it was to do with, you know, the, the Dread Doctors and the way that they've changed the the physical properties of people. So those are three likely options at this point, and we've got so many questions about that. But he also, you know, he, he does a great job, honestly, of not, like, taking Styles' shit. Like, he's just like, you know, oh, Styles, you're so adorable the whole time, basically. Like, Styles is just like, nope, not having it, not having it. And Theo, he really, he's really patient, and he really keeps trying and all of that kind of stuff. So... It's really interesting to me that he, that he's like that, you know, that he's actually he doesn't rise to anything. He really acts like he really wants to care about Styles, and that he's always going to be for Star, there for Styles in the way that he was always there for his sister. Uh, <laughs> except that it probably means he's going to kill Styles because, uh, yeah, we find you know he tells the story of how his sister died, uh, that you know she broke her leg and in a creek, and that she got hypothermia because no one found her. But then we see that, you know, we see the sister dying in the creek, being like, Theo, help me. And Theo, who's like 10 years old or less, on the bridge, like with this like face like Damien from The Omen, like staring at her being like, no. And, uh, yeah, like this little child. So he's clearly some sort of sociopath and been evil his whole life in some way. But it's interesting that, you know, he's – Put on this facade of pretending to care about things and that even when Scott knew him at school that you know he was a like sweet kid that you know Scott had compassion for so I don't know like what the hell do you think happened there I mean I think that he's just been this way his whole life I mean we saw him he was pretty young when he was watching his sister dying in front of his eyes begging him to help and he just stands there completely without any sort of compassion and it's astounding to me because I think that solidifies for me just how evil he is 
Because, you know, some people you can kind of reason, well, he wasn't always this way. Like, something happened. He has a reason to be this way. So we can not forgive him, but understand where he's coming from. Whereas, I mean, maybe something did happen when he was, like, very young. But I just have this feeling that he has always been this heartless little boy. And that terrifies me even more. It's like, it reminds me of the following. There was a character on the following who... Uh, had no understanding of emotion whatsoever. So he studied emotion and it allowed him to manipulate himself. Like he could cry on command, he could be happy, but like inside he was nothing. He was absolutely like neutral. But because he studied the emotions, he could kind of put out whatever whatever vibe he wanted to and manipulate people that way. That's what reminds me of Theo. I feel like Theo just knows how to read people and knows how to read situations and knows exactly which dial to turn to make it so that they, you know, feel bad for him or trust him or understand what he's gone through. And it's, that just makes him even scarier in my book. Like, throwing, we haven't heard anything more about his weird fake parents that he smashed the hand of, you know? Yeah. And like, we haven't, you know, or real parents, I don't know. Like, you know, they said it was meant to be the same as the other one. Like, if he's, did he kill his own parents and get replacement parents? Like, what uh, What has happened? Yeah. I don't know. It's really weird. So that should be good. I don't know. Do you think Theo has any hope of becoming a real boy, or do you think he's just a villain? I think he's just a villain. I mean, if they're calling him Joffrey, basically, the equivalent to Joffrey, then <laughs> there is no hope for him. That's true. He, Yeah, that's true. Joffrey is pretty unredeemable, so, yeah. Interesting. Okay. And then the other point is um, they have this conversation, you know, about, you know, the, you know, they're talking about the legend with the, with the original Wendigo and all that kind of stuff, and Theo kind of jokes, you know, what's the punishment for killing a Wendigo? And Styles very cutely says, oh, having spent five hours in a car with Theo Raken, and if, if I was a lesser soul, I would find that a very shippy moment. Uh, but given that Theo is an actual psychopath, I don't. But he says, I know what my punishment is. I'm going to lose my best friend, like I'm going to lose Scott. So he thinks that if Scott – he thinks it's only a matter of time until Scott finds out and that Scott dumps him, basically, which – do you think that that's true? Like, do you think that that, that would be a, a deal breaker for Scott? I mean, I assume it's all going to come out in the air and that they're not going to break up. But yeah, do you think I his mean, fears are rational? Because I, Theo points out that a true alpha, like, oh, you know, he, he wouldn't ditch you for just like a, you know, useless person like Donovan, you know, like he, you know, he'd understand that. So how do you feel that? It's really complicated because I think the fear is rational. Um, when I was at San Diego, I actually asked Tyler Posey that. I was like, do you think that this is, you know, a thing that we should be worried about? And he was like, absolutely. Like, this is definitely, you know, a big deal. And it's possible for friends to fall apart even when, you know, you're best friends. And I've had a best friend that we fell apart for like a year or two. And it took us a little while to get back together. Like, it is something very natural that happens, especially over such a big deal as this. I think that Scott is so good, so good, so deep down in his soul that it's very difficult for him to understand 
not feeling guilty about killing somebody. And even if it was an accident, I think the fact that Styles lied about it and have, has not come forward yet, and the fact that he doesn't feel as guilty as maybe he should, that Scott's really going to maybe look at Styles in a different light. And that worries me. I mean, I don't think that they're never going to be friends again, but... I think that this, once it gets out in the open, because I agree, like, you know, this is something that's definitely going to come to a head at some point. Um, they're going to have a conversation about it, and that conversation might lead to a falling out, at least temporarily. Or maybe, you know, maybe Scott will understand, but I think in terms of drama, they're probably going to uh, spread it out as far as much as they can, just to you know break all our hearts over and over again. Cool. Do you think the show will actually show any period of them not being like? Do you think that'll be like a one episode? You know, you say spread it out, but like you know the tension. But do you think that there would be like a period of half a season or so where they're like you know Styles off elsewhere, like that he's not with them or that. Scott is not with them, that, that that they've basically, like, a falling out period of an extended period of time. Uh, I mean, like I said, in terms of drama, that would definitely ramp it up quite a bit, and that would get people very worried and very interested in how they get back together, but they're such a good duo, and they're so balanced when they're together. I mean, they make each other better, I think, and... For them to be separated like that, I could see maybe like a very small one, but I hope it's not any longer than that. I hope that maybe Scott can either come to the conclusion that it was sort of like a necessary evil or Styles can somehow redeem himself in Scott's eyes. Not that I necessarily think he needs to redeem himself, because like we've been saying, you know, it was an accident, but... Um, maybe there's a way for them to kind of put it in the past. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if like one of them would just more like just remove themselves from the situation because they think the other one wouldn't forgive or something like that rather than being banished. Like I can't imagine Scott banishing Styles and then having to make it up to them, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, Styles having to make it up or something like that. Yeah. So, Who yeah. knows? Mm. Well, all right, let's jump into um, Liam and Hayden, who are, like, my favorites of this episode, because I think they're so cute. But Liam teaches Hayden how to control her powers, or attempts to teach her. Nothing really happens. Um, but this is, you know, the scene where my line comes from, and I just thought it was really cute, and I like the way that she's starting to see him as the person that he is now and starting to forgive him, and he's being very protective of her, and it's quite cute. But they find out that Hayden's basically going to be bait, and that they're trying to catch one of the doctors. And Scott did not tell Liam this up front, probably because he knew Liam would not be down with the idea. But in this scene, you can tell that Scott is at the end of his rope. I mean, he yells at Liam and immediately feels guilty about it. You could see it written all over his face. But he's kind of freaking out. He doesn't know what to do. And for him, 
I think that's really hard because he has so many moving parts now. He has several members of his pack. He has several people who are have different powers, and you know, Kira's falling apart, and Malia's got this thing with her mom, and Liam is still sort of a new beta, and Styles is you know killing people, although he doesn't know that yet. But like. Everything's kind of falling apart around him, and he just doesn't know what to do anymore. And that's kind of frightening when you're the alpha of the pack. Yeah, he definitely has that moment where he kind of, you know, he's like, somebody's got to be the bait. Like, he definitely kind of actually snaps and and isn't very good at handling the situation. Um, And, you know, even lying or lying by mission to Liam and Hayden in in the first part of it is, is really surprising. Like, it's just... Um, I don't know. It's not, I know that we know it's coming, but it's still quite surprising. He is very shaken. He's not – Leo often refers to, like, having stuff in control of your – like, stuff in your life in control as, like, spinning plates. Like, that, like – I don't know if you've seen, like, those people, um, yeah. you know, that have all of the sticks and the spinning, like, plates. And basically once one plate stops spinning, it – fucks all the other ones up like everything sort of starts crashing down you can you can get the whole pattern working and it works and then if one tilts off it affects all the other stuff comes crashing down and it kind of feels like scott is losing control of his spinning plates basically yeah i definitely agree and i think that makes the next part of the scene even bigger because liam makes scott promise that he'll do whatever he can to keep Hayden safe. And mm. I mean, he, pro- he says, promise me. And there's this very, like, they're very close together. It's this very intense close up scene. And Scott is like, I will do whatever I can. I promise. And it's kind of like Liam knows that Scott's not so good. Like, yeah, kinda, it's like the way that he's like, promise me. It's like, Scott, really Scott, you got to have this, you know? Like, yeah, so. exactly. And the fact that I'm wondering if he ends up breaking that promise, is he going to lose Liam too? Like, what if something happens to Hayden? Will Liam be able to forgive Scott? I don't know. It's very, I know that they've spoken, like, haven't they? Like, you know, the, the boys have spoken about Liam and Scott having, like beef like problems like is this the height of it or is it going to get worse you know like the whole like you didn't tell me she was bait or is it going to be even a worse falling out between them i don't know but if something happens to hayden i can just see liam being crushed yeah (sighs) fun times sounds good sounds like everything will go really well oh yeah yeah i don't know um, he definitely seems to vibe like that, that whole, like promise me thing definitely seemed to vibe. Like he knew that Scott wasn't quite on top of his game. Like that he was like, Hey, can you actually do this? Thanks. Like, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. So back in the Yukimura house, they kind of, the parents are kind of like, Hey, where's Kira? And go up and find that her acupuncture bed has been, or her bed I suppose, with her acupuncture situation in it, is empty and that her acupuncture needles have been left in the form of 115 or 115 in the headboard with the needles. And I don't know, question mark, question mark, question mark. What is this? (laughs) Like last time we saw a five in relation to the kitsune, it wasn't actually a five. It was like Japanese kanji. 
mm-hmm. are, are those like ones? Are they are they are, are those strokes something else? Does anyone is anyone able to translate that? You know, if there'd be a similar kanji, was like the five a similar shape to the the kanji sort of five? But that was a backwards five, wasn't it? That wasn't. This was a five the right way around. Um, oh, was yeah, it? hundred and fifty. I think so. Like, um, 115, what does this mean to you? I don't know. But the last time we've had, like, random numbers, it was, like, the amount of people who have died. So, like, could this be the amount of people that, like, Kira has killed or the fox spirit has killed or something? Cool. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, yeah, I don't think Kira's killed 115 people while we weren't watching, but... Like, did this kitsune, like, exist in someone else before it existed in Kira? Like, do they get passed on? Like, the spirits are eternal and they go into new bodies, like the, like the Nagitsune did, or what, what happened? I think that's are possible. They... I mean, that makes mm. sense. I think the, the spirit would be a lot older than Kira, you know? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Um, but then her mother, like, managed to live for 900 years in the same, like, body. So, I don't know. It's very confused. Maybe she gets along really well with her fox spirit. Maybe <laughs> if you're – maybe if you and your fox spirit aren't a good match, like, you die off and it leaves you and goes elsewhere, if you know what I mean. Lovely. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what this is, and we get no answers about it. Um, you know, Kira has disappeared. Later, we at least find where her sword got to. Whether she put it there <laughs> or someone else did, we don't don't quite know. Um, yeah. I'm quite stressed about all yeah. of this, actually. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, we've only got three more episodes left in 5A, so hopefully we get some answers. Mm-hmm. But one answer we don't have yet is what the <laughs> heck is Parrish? <laughs> yeah. Um, Parrish is in his car dreaming of kissing Lydia, which is all very cute and everything. And except when he pulls away from her and she's covered in burns. Um, that is not pleasant. I felt terrible That's really gross. for Holland because apparently that was like on that three hours worth of makeup and it was intense. I mean, it wasn't just her face, like it was her chest and, and everything. And um, this, okay, I feel bad saying this, but this scene actually made me laugh a little bit. I had okay, trouble well. taking it seriously, and maybe it's just because, like, Parrish seems so earnest, but the way that he, like, rips open her shirt, and then they go at it, and then all of a sudden, like, she's all burned, and then she grabs his face and, like, starts making out with him, and he's like, oh my god, get off me, and I was just like, I found it hilarious instead of terrifying. Maybe that was just me. I mean, I didn't find terrifying it was a bit disturbing i'm a bit weirded out by like his hallucination lydia that he's seen quite a few times if you know what i mean that like you know the the queen of hearts lydia rather than the actual lydia because the actual lydia is somewhere inside and what that means like if she is a you know if her sort of banshee spirit is helping him or if there's just a hallucination like you know flat out I also, at the start of this scene, I'm like, poor Paris, she's sitting out in this car alone, helping a bunch of kids. Um, you know, does he have any friends his own age? And then I'm like, if Derek <laughs> was still on the show, they could hang out and just be like, uh. Like, I was just imagining Derek sitting 
sitting in the car with him and them having this like, oh, I am a mid twenties supernatural being who has to hang out with these kids conversation and you know, <laughs> like you know they're always talking about you know. I don't know, like, whatever the teens talk about these days that aren't werewolves, you know. I don't know what teens like, One Direction or something. And, you know, <laughs> they're always talking about One Direction. And I don't know. I just I just became very amused at the idea of, like, them having these, these slightly older people in the pack hanging out with each other. But Derek isn't here, so never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> we can dream. But, yeah, the whole... Uh, kissing Lydia and then the burns and, and, you know, her putting burns on his chest. Is it like, is he afraid that like, you know, if he gets close with her, you know, that, that he'll damage everyone or is it something to do with his whole supernatural voyager to the land of the dead thing? I don't, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It was unpleasant. I don't know if it was funny, but it was unpleasant. (laughs) And it does not help me with the the answers situation. Yeah. But it does seem it does kind of seem like the start of like I, I don't know if, if this is separate to the hallucinations everyone else. Like if this is the dread doctors are coming and they're doing that thing that makes everyone hallucinate that they're like dead or you know having a problem, or if it was separate. If this is just tied into his whole voyage to the land of the dead thing. Because everyone else then starts having hallucinations. Like, they're coming, the Dread Doctors are coming, and they basically manage to distract or paralyze everyone from... They just go in and take what they want because they incapacitate everyone. Like, if it was Parrish, they incapacitate him or, or they remind him that he has to go off and get a body, um, whatever, but his might not be related. They incapacitate Malia, who's sort of guarding the halls and not hanging out with the others um in the, i don't know if she interacts with anyone else in the whole episode like if she's just like in the you know guarding the halls but she hallucinates being captured in bear traps and then a, a metal spike like through her throat when she falls down and she's kind of lying on the ground being like ah, i'm trapped i'm trapped but it's all a f- fake it kind of interested me that she hallucinates like that she has a fear of getting caught in the bear traps like because <laughs> of her dad yeah uh, bear trap dad i don't know I'm like, oh, this is, like, weird. And then Scott, number one, still has damage about his dog, clearly, because he, he yeah. sees the, the the lead. And then he hallucinates getting killed by Kira, um, getting, you know, strangled and, and hearing the stuff that she says, so that, like, that's, I guess, one of his biggest fears at the moment or whatever. But we find out that that's fake. And because Kira's not gone anywhere, we're like, oh, my God, is this real? But no, it's not real as far as we know, because uh, he ends up okay as well. And then Lydia hallucinates Tracy, and then Tracy, like, rips her tongue out. So they all get incapacitated by the the Dread Doctors giving them hallucinations. And then I guess they uh, they take, you know, Liam and Hayden, which we see later in that time when all of the, the rest of the kids are incapacitated and Parrish has gone off to, you know, flip Styles' Jeep. So the way that they just come in and just sort of, they they don't even try to kill everyone. They like they could. They probably could just like kill everyone, but they don't. They just sort of freeze everyone by trapping them in their own misery. Yeah. 
This was actually terrifying to me, especially when we started off with Malia, and I didn't know what was going on, and I was like, oh my god. Oh my like, god, is she really dead? Yeah. I was, like, worried for a hot two seconds, because it yeah. looked so real, obviously. I mean, it was a hallucination, but we didn't know that at first. And I was like, okay, she could survive being trapped by these two bear traps, that's fine. And then she gets the metal spike through her neck, and I'm like, oh! <gasps> Oh, no, but it was okay in the end, thank goodness. And I was like, they can't kill off Malia. Like, she still has to deal with her mom. And I was, like, coming up with all these excuses. But um, I thought this was really well done, actually. And I, I like the way that they've hit on the fears, but also it's it's very... It was very violent, which is weird to say that I liked, but it wasn't just like, <laughs> oh, you know, I'm scared of this spider and the spider is coming toward me. Like it was a very physical, visceral sort of fear that they hallucinate and it, it like you said, it, it incapacitates them. And we see them laying on the floor like completely fine, not covered in blood or anything, but they just they cannot move because they are so terrified. And, you know, I was just thinking again of Holland rolling around in that blood and everything. And I was like, man, she went through a lot for this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Poor girl. Must have taken a long time. But, yeah, it's just an interesting tactic, I suppose, like being able to freeze people like that. Uh, unpleasant. But, yeah. And then, basically, w with the sheriff and Melissa um, sort of jumping back to them, they figure out through their own research, because the kids are all too busy, you know, lying on the cold, hard floor, um, they find out that the kids, the connection that the kids seem to have um, between, like, Lucas, the scorpion guy that died, uh, Donovan, um, who else? Lucas, Donovan, Tracy. And I don't know if they, they have found out about, obviously they haven't found out about the other one, Josh, yet, and they, they don't necessarily know about Hayden, but we know that Hayden fits this bill, is that all of the kids are actually already genetic chimeras before they were operated on by the Dread Doctors due to having um, two sets of DNA from replacement operations. Like, they'd all had parts in them from other donors, uh, you know, skin, eye corneas, uh, Hayden's kidney transplant, so they all had parts in them from other donors, meaning they had two sets of human DNA, which I guess means either that that's kind of all of, all that the Dread Doctors can pick up on, that they, that they want, you know, chimeras, or that, that or that them surviving that means that they've proved that they can survive with multiple sets of DNA, and so therefore they're good, you know, good candidates to experiment on. But we were kind of getting close with our theories about, you know, like operations and you know, people who've gone under, you know, into surgery, you know, people have had surgery so that the stuff was done in the surgery. But I didn't think of this whole, like, existing, you know, two donor, you know, two, two, two genetic uh, DNA samples in the same body thing. What did you think of this answer, I guess, to the connection? It was satisfying. I didn't really see it coming, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it's a good one, actually. I think it's quite quite clever um and i did sort of start to suspect something kind of edging around that with with hayden and, and a kidney transplant but because we didn't know anything about what the others had had there was not really the information to make the connection but 
once all the information's laid out that they actually had the the body parts if, if we'd known that i might have made the connection as well like i it, mm-hmm. i think that it is actually a really good uh, a good leap there so now that we know that I don't know where we'll go from there, but we know that at least. <laughs> at least yeah. we know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, something else we now know is that uh, Styles was pretty glad when Donovan died. Theo kind of gets him to admit that. And <laughs> this is something that Nat's very excited about. Um, I mean, I get it, and I don't fault Styles for thinking, good, Donovan's dead, because the guy was crazy and he was threatening to kill Styles' dad. So I can understand the relief that is coming from there. I just hope that this isn't the beginning of serial killer Styles or something like that, which I I don't think it would be. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, explain yourself, Nat. I don't really want serial killer styles, but his interpretation of this situation was exactly what I thought the character was like, basically. This situ- this interpretation of him, you know, not actually caring that he killed the guy. His only guilt was based in, oh, my God, what's Scott going to think? That it wasn't, oh, my God, I've taken a delicate human life and now I am soiled or anything like that. I was not that shocked to hear it. Um, I know someone on Twitter, um, I think it was Akio Nadine, said to me, it's like, she was like, Natalie, what did you think of Styles as good in the car? And I was like, that's my little murder baby. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, I don't know. I just, like, I'm not being bloodthirsty, but it just makes sense to me. This is what I thought was going on with the character, and, and now it is... I'm a little bit worried that, like, Theo pulled that out of him and that Theo knows that he feels that way. Like, is Theo going to, like, train him up as, like, a, you know, psychopath with him or something? Like, is he going to be, like, you know, like, is he going to be, is he going to go, like, sort of down a slippery slope, I guess, of, of, oh, you know, consequences and, like, you know, what can I get away with? I don't think it means Styles is bloodthirsty either. I think, you know, it's not like, oh, yes, that was so fun. Or anything, but it was just like that he felt relief at the situation, um, and then he was just the fact that he has no moral trauma about doing it, only about the consequences. Um, you know that something he loves might get taken away from him because of it, or that he might go to jail, or that his dad or Scott or whatever. That's exactly what I thought that Styles would be like. I did not think he would actually have that much care inside him for the act of killing and I'm not so I'm not that I am surprised about that that's how I always read the character so I'm quite satisfied that that's actually where we're at with it but I know other people don't necessarily and I know a couple of weeks ago I'm like maybe I'm reading stuff when they hadn't got to this point yet I was like maybe they're reading maybe I'm reading styles as like harsher than he actually is maybe I'm not giving him enough credit but apparently this is what he is like and I was not that shocked so therefore, because I was right, I was pleased. Uh, but Karen, <laughs> you know, Karen, how did you feel about it? Disappointed? Sad? I mean, I'm a little sad about it. I don't want to say disappointed. I am a little sad about it just because, like, you know, I don't want to think of Styles being happy that somebody's dead. But 
at the same time, I think that's a very human reaction, especially given the type of person that Donovan was and what he was saying to Saz's father. It makes sense to be relieved by that. So I don't fault Styles for it, but I will be interested to see how this plays out in terms of his relationship with uh, Theo and with Scott. And- yeah, I'm sort of worried that he's like tied to Theo now. Like that Theo has this on him, if you know what I mean, and that they're like tied together in this weird murder conspiracy. I think that's exactly what's happening, but. Yeah, and I think that's what Theo wants, obviously. Oh, yeah. Like, he wants to have, you know, this control or over Styles, you know. But. Yeah, but I think once yeah. the truth about Styles comes, or the truth about Theo comes out, mm-hmm. then things will hopefully be a little better. Maybe. We'll yeah. Um, so while they're waiting there, um, just very quickly, you know, we, you, you know, we get to the end of that, that conversation, which had sort of been spanning the whole episode, I guess, like, you know, keep cutting back to them in the car talking. Styles gets flipped over, the Jeep get, gets completely flipped, and he falls out the window, and they, you know, stuff's on fire, and then Theo gets, you know, thrown out of the car as well, because Parrish has flipped over the Jeep. Parrish comes and takes Josh's body away. And then Theo comes back out and pulls Styles out of the car. Uh, first of all, I'm glad that Styles didn't die in the Jeep accident or something like that. That he's like relatively okay. Uh, but also R.I.P. Jeep. If that's not if that's not coming back, uh, we we don't know mm-hmm. at this point whether it can it be fixed on. But it's pretty 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 damaged. Um, the the one thing I missed about this entire situation is if Theo or Styles saw that it was Parrish. Yeah, I'm wondering about that too. I'm also, but if they were recording, then potentially they could still get the phone Yeah. and check back. Yeah, that's true. Hopefully I was that wasn't. actually like really disappointed that the person who saved Styles was Theo because they did that long <laughs> shot from his feet all the way to his face and I was like, "Don't be Theo, don't be Theo, don't be Theo," and it was totally Theo and I got really mad about who it. Who did you want it to be? Anybody who else was there? Anybody no but Theo. Well, it could have oh, been somebody sorry. else. I'm sorry. No, it was Theo. Yet again, racking up the things that Styles now owes him for. Yeah, exactly. So, sorry about that. Well, we have Mason, at least. I feel like Mason is still pure and wonderful. Um, yeah. Because he, he was sweet earlier in the episode. He but was. yeah, he, he, he's so, like, detective-y and cute. And clever. He's so clever because he saves Scott by cutting him. I mean, Scott's hallucinating and you see this sort of phantom slice open up on his hand. Then Scott snaps out of it and you see Mason standing there with a little scalpel. And it's because Liam told him that pain gets them out of, you know, whatever's going on with them. And I'm like, wow, Mason, you know, you're doing all this research and you're putting things together and this is all new to you and you're not terrified by it. I mean, he's a little terrified, but he's kind of excited, too. And he just he acts upon what he's learned. And I think that's so important. And I love the fact that he's being useful. He's not just there for the comedic relief or to be the best friend. Um, He's actually there helping them when he can. I mean, he still is human and he still is 
naive and innocent about a lot of this stuff, but he's doing what he's what he can. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, he kind of starts to figure out that the the boyfriend of Lucas, like the the Corey who's alive, that he is a chimera as well. Though we don't know how, like, you know, if he's just another person who's had a transplant or if he, if it's somehow contagious or something like that. But that's sort of why he ends up coming to, to Scott, because he found another one. Yeah, I don't know. That that character, the Corey character, that actor is, is booked for quite a few episodes. So I don't know if he might become something bigger. But um, I don't know, like Mason's whole little plot of kind of the 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 leaps that he puts together and like asking him at the club and the library book. And like, how did he even get into the school? Like when Liam was there, I don't know. Like he, he he's very uh, resourceful and capable character, but um, how do you think that he's kind of getting into deep or do you think that it's good? I think it's good. I think they need somebody like him, maybe with a fresh perspective, somebody who can hit the books. Because like we said before, Styles used to do that, but and he still does to an extent, but he's also very wrapped up in the middle of everything. And now he has his own secrets and his own problems, mm-hmm. and it's hard to kind of step back and look at all of that, whereas Mason is very new to this, and I think he's going to be capable of asking questions that nobody else really thinks of asking. And he's very intelligent, clearly. So um, I'm really hoping he can bring a new perspective to the group and continue his his being so useful to them. Yeah. Pity about Liam and Hayden, though. Oh, about them being taken? Yeah. Yeah. I would see them. It does. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what will happen now? But the one thing I was curious about when, you know, they were taken by the Dread Doctors and when, you know, Liam sees Hayden on the bed, basically, the the operating table, it's not a bed, a bed would be a generous term for what they have. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, he's kind of saying Hayden, Hayden, and then the Doctors are kind of repeating it, saying Hayden, Hayden, and it sounds like the same audio that went out earlier, if you know what I mean. Like, so I'm wondering if they aren't, like – messing with time in some way at all, like if they were, if it's sort of cyclical time-wise, like if they have gotten this sound bite now and then sent it out, out through the past. I don't, does that make sense? Like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like it's... It does because... It, it sounds like that this is the creation of the sound bite that we've already heard and it's very confusing to me. Yeah. And I mean, it's possible that they could have just repeated the sound bite because, you know, it's easier to do that or whatever, mm. like, for production purposes. But when we were wondering about the whole time thing at the very beginning, especially because like I keep thinking about the magnets falling off of the refrigerator and then going back onto them. Like even if they were messing with the magnetism, the magnets would not jump back up to the refrigerator, even if the magnetism like turned back on or whatever. And like we've gotten things with clocks and I wonder if they're just really subtle hints to this, you know, time manipulation or something. But I really don't know. I I don't know for sure. I don't think we've gotten enough clues to figure that out yet. I know that someone also, and this is like opening up a whole can of worms, but like time-wise, I know that someone has pulled some sort of... Si- 
scene of Kira wearing the same outfit that she was wearing on that first night when she was in the rain on top of the car that might have implied that she was, like, taken by the Dread Doctors in that period. But I don't know. It's it's very it's very confusing. I'll try and find that for later because I, I didn't quite catch where it was, but there was definitely something that was sort of, again, adding to the questions about, like, the time, like time pausing or going round, you know, them, them doing weird things with time, the, the Dread Doctors. So, yeah, I don't know about that. Awesome. But... Yeah, but, you know, in relation to Kira in this episode, Melissa comes home to find a body <laughs> on her kitchen table, and that looks kind of like an adult woman's body, but she has, like, weird supernatural long claws uh, with dead with Kira's sword through the middle of it. So we don't know if Kira did that herself or if, like, the sword and the spirit did that, um, you know, without Kira's body there or, or what happened, but... Uh, that that was the end of the episode, basically. So we don't know what the hell that was. Or could Theo have done it at some point to make Kira look guilty and to drive a wedge further between Kira and Scott? True. If yeah, if someone stole a sword and then did it, be like, oh yeah, Kira, it's your sword. You know, you must have done it, seeing as you know that you're going all crazy and stuff now. And Theo does know lots of the secrets about Kira, so that's actually quite clever. Karen, maybe that was what happened. Awesome. Even mm. better. Good. Sounds good. I know how much you love Theo. <laughs> so that's the end of the episode, basically, that we've just watched. Um, we have quite a bit of feedback, which I'm going to read, um, read through because a lot of it's kind of related to each other. Um, and I'll read the, uh, a couple of the questions that I'll read very quickly and then get your answer. And then the emails that we got, a lot of them regard to Theo and Styles and the I question. So we'll we'll talk through that. But very quickly, the first one, Tumblr, um, Blue Florette. And I love this question um, saying, curious to know what you ladies think. Who's the better schemer, Peter or Theo? Both have shown themselves to be skillful when it comes to manipulating those around them particularly when it comes to justifying their actions to disapproving audience and furthering their own goals. Peter may be older, but he spent a chunk of that time in a coma has, and hasn't really had any of his plans work out as intended. Theo manages to be getting into everyone's head, but it's not clear what his end game really is, so it's hard to judge how successful things are going. Of course, when it comes to playing a long con, we can't discount Beacon Hill's shadiest veterinarian as possible can potential <laughs> candidate, which high five. I'm literally giving you a high five through the computer. I actually held my hand up to the microphone like I was going <laughs> to high five you because seriously. But Karen, how do you feel? Like who's more, who's better at being a dick or who's better at being a scheming, scheming quote unquote ally, Peter or Theo? Gosh, this is a really difficult question because, as they said, like, there are a lot of parallels between the two, actually. But, you know, I think I have to go with Theo. I think it, he's much better at being – at Bad. appearing – well, no, at appearing good. Because, Peter, everyone's always like, dude, we know you got something else going on. We don't know what it is, but we know not to trust you. But I think mm. – Theo is the opposite of that. You know, Styles obviously doesn't trust him. Styles doesn't trust a lot of people, but everybody else is sort of like, yeah, you know, he's got a good point about this or that, and, you know, we should bring Theo in on this, and he has some good ideas, and blah, blah, blah. And I think he's much better at kind of playing it really subtle. Yeah, I think Theo is better. 
And if, if what Theo says about the eye colour thing is true, it means that Peter has more humanity in him than Theo does as well. So, um, you know, just if that's true, Theo may be lying about that situation, so we don't know. You know, Peter's also more guided by his emotions, I think. I, if Theo is really a sociopath, like, um, because he really seems like one, uh, Peter definitely either makes mistakes or, like, helps out at moments uh, because of his emotions. And so I don't think Peter is as outright evil as Theo is, though I've still got many questions about Peter. Um, And I don't know. uh, I think that he's definitely – Theo is the better schemer. I think he's been more successful so far in getting people to trust him uh, because no one ever trusted Peter. No one ever liked him. And they literally (laughs) just use him when possible and tell him to his face that they don't trust him. So, yeah. Um, The second one is one that I've – is a question that I've considered several times from Tumblr user um, with these – with this sound, with these words – Theory time, what if the whole of 5A is a mass hallucination? Hear me out, none of the monsters bar the Dread Doctors are new. The pack has faced them all before, and from what they've said, all the new characters are only new to us. The pack has met them all before, and the reason Kira's Kitsune is going bananas is because it realises that the whole world they're in is a hallucination or a word trap, like Mason said. It's trying to protect her. I've definitely, a few times in this season, been like, is this, like, real like are parts of this is this all not real like or are parts of this not real um and there have been many many moments where they've presented as a situation like scott getting stabbed by kira or whatever or malia in this episode or in past episodes things happening where it turns out that it is a hallucination so have you had any thoughts about the whole thing being a hallucination I've definitely thought it before. Um, It's something that I've kind of wanted them to do for a while. I mean, in 3B, they had such perfect opportunity to do that, especially with Styles and his dreams within dreams and that sort of thing. Um, So I was kind of disappointed it didn't happen back then. However, there are several reasons why I don't think that this is the case this time. One, we know that the Dread Doctors are going to continue over to 5B, that they're going to evolve in some way. So I feel like maybe they're legit. Um, I The point about the new characters only being new to us, like the pack has all met them before, is a really good point, and I hadn't thought about that. So that's really interesting, but... Um, I don't think Kira's Kitsune would not protect her. Like, I, I think it does want to protect her because she's its vessel of sorts, but I don't feel like it's protecting her in, like, a good way. Like, I can't really see it doing that in order to keep her safe, more like in order to keep itself safe. And so, you know, by connection, like, it's got to keep her safe. But... I just feel like the whole thing being a mass hallucination, while interesting, would negate a lot of things that we've been through so far. And I feel like that would be really tough to, like, basically wipe the slate clean and be like, just kidding. Everything you've learned and seen so far is not real. Because, I mean, think about it. Like, we've gotten things about the Desert Wolf, which is going to play into Season 5B. So, I don't know. Unfortunately, I just don't really see it happening. 
I don't know. I don't necessarily think it's happening either, but I've definitely there's been enough confusion that I've thought that it was possible. Yeah. Um and yeah, okay. So moving on to to Styles and Theo, which most of the rest of this is about. Uh first one, Tumblr Fantastic Dinos says there was discussion on podcast 102 about how you'd like to see Styles intentionally kill someone who was truly evil like Gerard. I'm calling it right here, right now, that Styles will kill Theo, the Joffrey of the show, and I can only hope that it'll be as satisfying as the real Joffrey's death. Do you think this is possible? If so, how would you feel about it? I would feel amazing about this. <laughs> I, I mean, I truly, truly think that Theo is a psychopath. I mean, he mm. is crazy, Watching your sister die in front of you and doing absolutely nothing about it. When you're just a kid, something mm. is wrong with you. So for Styles to be the one to cross that line in order to get Theo out of the way, because for whatever reason, Scott can't do it. I think if they, if they did it right, I think that would be actually quite amazing. I think that it would be quite good also. Um, I'd enjoy that, and I'm hoping that you're right. You know, maybe, you know, if Theo does turn out to be irredeemably evil, then, yeah, that would be really good. And I, I would want Scott being like, yeah, go for it, Styles, but that probably won't happen, but we'll see. I'd be into that. I don't know. I don't know if they'd go there, but I hope so. Obviously, Theo's a major part of the season, and I don't know, you know, any time that they've been, you know, including him in a lot of, you know, press and... Comic Con and you know all of that kind of stuff. Um, has he been on Wolf Watch yet? I want to say yes, but well, I'm not sure. He, he's been around a lot. He and he is a lead cast member for this season. Like he's not in the opening credits, but he's in every. He's a main character of every episode. Uh, for someone to be that much of a you know a big presence, you know, I don't know if that means that they're going to be sticking around, but it certainly means that they're important for now and so it would be in some ways a shame to kind of lose such a big presence you know after one season or one half a season uh but I can't see any redemption either so I don't know it's difficult to to call really like can you see any excuse for him like sticking around I mean I don't think they're gonna be able to write off everything that he's done I could see them possibly playing the long con with him and having him getting more and more entrenched into the pack. Um, Maybe this will last, like, the whole of Season 5 instead of just 5A, but I really don't see him coming back from what he's done. No, neither, so it's quite curious. Um, But going into his whole situation with the eyes, we've had a fair bit of feedback about this. One from Brittany Koza. I'm just going to read out a few lines from various emails talking about this kind of thing, uh, which is sort of about the eye colour and then the chimera situation. One of the writers, Brittany, um, she said, I've thought for a while that it was based on guilt, which would explain the apparent discrepancies. For example, Jackson's a blue because he remembers all the deaths he carried out as a canima. Derek's of a page as Peter as for someone in the past. My head canon is Laura. It's also explained why his is still gold. He doesn't feel any remorse. Another listener, Len Sisson, um, has sort of gone ahead to to give the opposite point, which Brittany did actually also point out. She said it's either that or it's because Theo is a chimera, which could explain why it doesn't follow the rules. 
Len has said um, Theo's eyes might not change if he was made by the Dread Doctors and not a natural werewolf. Remember that the girl who was the Canima, um, Tracy, walked through the mountain ash because she was manufactured, as it were, and not a naturally made supernatural. Um, so maybe that's the same thing. Like he just has those gold eyes and that he's not, a, you know, he's he's posing as a, a real werewolf, but he's not actually a real werewolf. Which one of those two theories do you think is more likely at the moment? Is it the guilt thing or the Theo's a chimera thing? I really think it's the Theo's a chimera thing. I mean, that's what this season's about. We've learned mm. that they don't follow the rules, that they're made and that things are changing. So I guess it just makes the most sense. Although I wish that it was the other one because that would actually give us like a solid answer as to <laughs> um, the eye color thing. But I think it makes the most sense if it's about being a chimera. Oh. I mean, the fact that they're asking the questions, the fact that the show like styles is asking the questions about the eye color thing means that they do know that there's an inconsistency from the viewer's point of view, the way, you know, whether they're going to choose to address it or not, you know, with Theo, if it does turn out to be the guilt thing, if that's the answer, or if it's um, they have an answer that they haven't revealed yet, you know, they clearly have an answer somewhere, uh, and they clearly know there's discrepancy about it. So at least we have that much. Um, the Chimera thing is certainly very possible as well, um, but it's a good thing for Theo to have up his sleeve to be like, hey, see my eyes? Like, look, you know, killing, not that bad. See my eyes? You know, look, Scott, I'm innocent. And uh, look, Styles, you can be a killer too, like me. Um, and then going, you know, going on to the Chimera situation, just a little interesting point. Zane Hughes also emailed in just saying, I wondered what you um, think about the possibility that Hayden will be a quote-unquote success because she was turned by Tracy's claws. And uh, when you discussed the scene where Hayden, Liam tests Hayden's eyes, I was under the impression that it was because she said just listen to him and he tries, but until he uses his werewolf hearing, he can't make out what the bartender's saying. So he was like, oh, how did she hear that? That's very sharp, Zane Hughes. I would totally buy that, and I didn't really interpret that. I sort of interpreted that as Hayden knowing the bartender well enough to know what he'd probably be ranting about to that new new guy but you know Liam had to use his werewolf hearing but that would actually be a very good point if Hayden could actually hear him clearly and Liam didn't you know had to use his werewolf hearing um the possibility of him of her being turned by Tracy's claws I don't know if the the chimera thing's meant to be contagious or if it's meant to be that they sort of did stuff on all of the uh the the natural chimeras at once um whether they are able to get their supernatural thing to be contagious, I don't know. Well, I don't know if it's contagious so much as, like, we know that if the claws go deep enough, you can be turned by claws. So is it perhaps that? I mean, she was a canima, but she was also sort of, to begin with, I think, like a werewolf. See, it's so confusing with the chimeras because you don't really know where they fall all the time. Mm. But I think it's interesting I, to think that Hayden will be a success. I'm not entirely sure why, because I assumed I mean, that her liver transplant was the reason why she was a chimera. And then I, I forgot about the fact that she was clawed by Tracy. And it healed, but it healed instantly for her. So maybe she was already 
the chimera then you know she was already having the healing powers when tracy clawed her that's true yeah because i think if she hadn't been if that's what had turned her it would have taken longer than that yeah i don't know um it's a little bit a little bit confusing well this episode they did confirm you know or sort of that you know they were saying to her your condition is improving which is something they haven't necessarily said before so what do you think that means that maybe she can end up being a success but still not entirely sure why she of everybody else is that way maybe it has something well, to do with the medicine she's taking true and but all of the other people were you know how many of the the chimeras that we've seen were actually killed by the dread doctors saying your condition's terminal and they then they kill them and how many were just killed incidentally like were Tra- was Tracy killed in action or was she killed by the Dread Doctors? By the Dread Doctors. And Donovan. No, not Donovan, obviously. Lucas. Donovan was, yeah, Lucas was killed by the Dread Doctors. Is that right? Yes. Okay, and the other ones were killed by Styles and Theo. <laughs> Interesting. Moving on to something more pleasant, we've just got one fun little bit that we got in an email a couple of weeks ago that I thought that we could we could just talk about which is that um, Anna Maria has emailed saying, since it's the PAX senior year, I'm asking a question that has nothing to do with the actual plot, but have found myself wanting to ask you guys forever. What senior trip would you want to see the pack on? Where, what activities would you want them, do you want them to do, etc.? And what was your guys' senior trip? Uh, sincerely, Anna Maria, a Team Wolf enthusiast. You're going to have to explain this to me because I don't think that we have whatever this is. Oh, okay. Well, basically during your senior year, um, you get to take some time off from school and go on a senior trip. And uh, usually you have to, like, raise money in order to do it. But it's, like, a fun collective thing. And, like, you go to, like, you know, an amusement park or something like that. Okay. I'm trying to think what what activities we did in our final year of high school, uh, like, that were for, you know, leaving stuff. We had, like, a formal, which is, like, your prom, except less, like, popularity contest. And we had, um, well, it was, you know, it was. We don't have, like, that, like, you know, elections and stuff. Um, And we had, uh, uh, we do this thing in Australia called muck-up day, which I guess is a little bit similar to, it's not really similar to your senior skip day because it's not about skipping. It's basically when you come to school and you can, the, they all play pranks and stuff like all of the senior class last year of class, but they kind of had to dull it down a bit because people started doing really damaging stuff, like really damaging stuff, like yeah. fucking up teachers' cars or like putting a cow on the roof or like something like, oh my not just God. at my school. I mean, at all schools. Yeah. Like it's at, at my school, it was more like, you know, wearing funny costumes and like silly string. We have a mess, like you know, like so, yeah. that, and that was just. I, I'm trying to think if we did any like out, outer occasions. Our kind of final bonding thing was actually year eleven, like the year, like the year before, um, uh, the year eleven, like school camp. Like we go on camp each year, only for like three or five days, like of you know a school week where they, you know, do either outdoor activities or like you know social work or, or stuff like that, and. The year 11 one was definitely all about, like, bonding and stuff. But uh, senior, I don't know, I can't remember. Tell me about yours. 
Okay. Well, we do have, um, like, senior pranks and stuff like that, too. I remember one year they uh, released, like, 2004. I don't remember what year it was. It could have been 2005. Uh, crickets in the school, which I'm terrified of crickets and was so not cool. Oh, my God. And um, they were just everywhere. And then there's been, like, honey on the, the lockers. And uh, if you walk down a certain... Uh, hallway they would like hit you with like flour and stuff like it was crazy um and I, I remember there was like a car driven out into the middle of the football field and they damaged the football field and there's yeah it, it can get pretty intense so I definitely understand that my senior trip um I actually have terrible memories of my senior trip because oh. it was I used to throw discus and shot put in high school and I wasn't too like bad Hercules. at it. Like Hercules. Yes, yes, just like that. And I actually wasn't too bad at it. And we had to go um, to, it was one of the final or like semi-final uh, games, meets, what we call it in track. And it got delayed because of weather, because, you know, things couldn't be wet. And it just, you know, they delayed it for a day. And it, they delayed it for my senior trip. So I had to choose between going to this meet, which was very important to me and going on my senior trip. And I decided to go on my senior trip and my senior trip wasn't really that fun. And my coach was very, very disappointed in me. And so I feel really guilty about it still, but for my senior trip, um, we went to an amusement park basically, which is what I would choose for, um, you know, Scott and his friends. Yeah, to go to. I think they did this on Glee. Is this like a senior skip day? I mean, on Glee, no. they had senior skip day, and then they went out. They went out to an amusement. It was like a thing where you're officially allowed to skip, sort of. And yeah, then... it's more official than senior skip day. Senior skip day okay. is like, oh, haha, let's all skip today and see what happens. But yeah, this is more of an official thing, and I would love for the pack to do that. I, in particular, I think Malia would have a lot of fun on the roller coasters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would be cute. That would be really, really sweet. I mean, they're in, we're in, where are they? They're in Northern California. I don't know what particular um, parks are around there or anything like that. But beach, ice cream, you know, etc. <laughs> As always. Um, I, I Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed that conversation about Senior Skip Day because I know nothing of it. But So I don't have a really good perspective of that um, uh, for, I mean, the senior trip. Um I don't know. Does anyone have any specific weird stuff? If an amusement park is usual, I think that that would be a lot of fun for the for the pack. Uh, but I don't know if there's anything else that's like better, like boating maybe, like out on like a like a like they could try they could hire a sailboat and try and sail a boat and then <laughs> fail and fall in the water. Like that might be fun. Anyway, I think that's about it. So um, until I suppose that's everything until next week. Uh, Karen, have you got the pronunciation down of next week's episode yet? Oh, is this Ouroboros? Yeah, is it Aruboros or is it Ouroboros or how do you say it? I think it's Ouroboros because they have the same thing in Hemlock Grove, which has been okay. really tripping me up. Okay. I didn't know Hemlock Grove was still on, but okay. <laughs> um Fair enough. Um, so that's going to be next week, um, Ouroboros, episode 508. 
And then, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what happens then. Obviously, we've been left a few cliffhangers this week. Which one are you most, the most curious slash worried about, I suppose? Ugh, I'm always worried about Kira now. It's like a daily thing. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, oh, well. I suppose that's everything then, and I'll leave you to worry about Kira until next week. Thanks. Is there any any big news? Did you want to say the thing about the Desert Wolf casting? Um, yeah, just that she was cast, and um, let me find her name really quickly, but we don't know anything about her, uh, which is super unfortunate, but we do have an actress now, and the actress is Marisol Nichols, who is from uh, NCIS, and she's been in a few other things, and um, having a little trouble picturing her as the Desert Wolf, just because of all the pictures I've seen of her, she's like super glammed up, she's very beautiful, but she's like very, very glamorous, and I'm just like having a hard time putting her in place of like you know this murderer so i'm going to be interested to see how they transform her for this role and and what kind of uh personality she's going to have and all of that yeah should be uh should be interesting and i guess that we can see that in 5b all right well we'll say bye now and see you guys next week uh feel free to write us any feedback that you have from this week's episode uh, your thoughts on, you know, Kira or Styles or, you know, any of the significant things that happened this week. And we shall address that next week. So until then, bye-bye. Bye. With my back against the wall, I will still be standing tall. Can't keep me down. Hi. Is Kristen there? She's in the other room. Can I can I do the podcast with Kristen? <laughs> Rude. No, I'm joking. I just find it weird that she's there. Like right there. I know. <laughs> we did book hype together the other day and we decided that the best way to do it would be to do it in separate rooms mm-hmm. because Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to have headphones quality, in and you'd yes. get feedback. Yeah. So it was really weird, like, talking to her, knowing she was literally across the hall from me. <laughs> it's good. Okay. Um, blah, blah, blah. All right. I'm ready, I think. Are you going to put that as your favorite quote? I'm so happy, Karen. It's so wrong, though. It's so right. it's so exactly right and we're going to get into it further because there's so much feedback about it but it's so right because it's exactly what I'm saying like the only reason he feels bad is because he thinks that Scott is going to judge him and he feels bad that he doesn't feel worse he feels bad about the consequences not about doing it because he's a murder baby and I knew he was a murder baby and I'm really happy about it wow what it's true (laughs) 
Hang on. 